Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. This is episode number 110. As always, I'm one of your and I'm Alexander Holland, and I'm so proud to be sat digitally next to my number one pod princess. He's got to be the one called John Maloney. And John Maloney. The last two episodes were mm-hmm. great, but maybe we should let the audience in on a little bit of a secret. And that's that they were recorded in the can. I've been away two weeks, like yeah. you always thought I could. <laughs> didn't, you didn't plan that. Um, <laughs> I did what I was yeah, we say. did. <laughs> I was going to say... I was going to say, like, you always thought I can, and then I was like, no, you just said can. You can't rhyme can with can. <laughs> I've been away half a month, like you <laughs> always knew. Yeah, good luck rhyming um, month. What the fuck I is month? <laughs> you'd, be, um, you'd be terrible at a hip-hop freestyle because you'd yeah. just be choosing words that have – you'd be choosing words like orange that don't have, yeah, a, right. don't have a, rhyming, <laughs> a rhyming equivalent. Um, I think I'd almost do better if I tried not to rhyme and then it just happened naturally. Um, but, uh, yeah, we did a, we did a kind of bumper recording and then split it up over two episodes, didn't we? Yeah. Because I had to dash off to the lovely Canary Islands again, as I did last year. Last year I was in the Canary Islands running the... Trans Grand Canaria Trail Marathon in the mm. beautiful Canary Island of Gran Canaria, Canary Island's Spanish territory mm-hmm. off the coast of West Africa. And this year I was back in that region, but on a different Canary Island. I was on the beautiful Canary Island of La Palma, most famous for the volcanic eruption in 2021. That's probably right. what people would remember uh, mm-hmm. of that particular island. And I was there mm-hmm. with, going to give a shout out to Philip, Magda, Marta, and Adam. That's right, it was four Polish people and me. I was forcing wow. them all to speak English <laughs> for the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I, booked, I booked it with like, because my friend Philip, who I run with everywhere, shout out to dear yeah. Philip. Philip encouraged me to come, so I was like, yeah, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. So I signed up. And then yeah. it was only after I signed up that I was like, oh, shit. It's like me and four po- – I mean, they all speak like better English than friends of mine in Adelaide. Mm. But still, mm. still, I did – I did. a part of me went, oh, shit, I hope they don't – I hope they're not upset that I'm making them speak this god-awful English all the time. <laughs> yeah. Man, it looked beautiful. Your photos were – Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I had a, uh, had a great time. I didn't run quite as fast as I wanted to because I was having some hip issues. But that's for my other podcast, what's called mm. Happy Hole Bags. Hip, happy Hole Bags, hip, hip, hip issues. Happy Hole Bags, 
trail running and hip issues podcast, which <laughs> I started years before this one. We're up to two <laughs> two thousand six hundred episodes. Ah, uh, but I could give you a funny story if you want to jump, start off. Jump in with a funny story. What a yeah. funny story! So, listeners to the show will know that I'm often quick to criticize certain things that people are doing socially that get on my nerves. And one of them a few weeks ago was the old mishearing somebody say something and then forcing them to listen (laughs) to what you think they, that that they said, and it's just not good. And then you, then your flow is wrecked for anybody who missed that. Sorry, sorry. Don, did you say to what you think they bred? What? (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) Just thought I'd do a little demonstration. That's perfect. That is perfect because I didn't work out what you'd done initially there. I was like, why have you fucking stopped me in the middle? (laughs) No, that's exactly what. And and then. So yeah, it's it's mishearing somebody, which is fine. There's no problem with that and getting the correction. But then it's like the person who's misheard you wanting to kind of investigate <laughs> what they'd misheard by saying something like, oh, "I thought you said, I thought you said, oh, you know, you, I, you were talking about music and you said, oh, I, I can hear the beat, and I thought you said, can you hear the feet?" And I was like. Because what would that mean if you'd said, let's hear the feet? That would be strange, wouldn't it? What would you have thought? What would I, You're in what there. should I have thought if you'd said that? And you go, no, yeah. that's not what I said. I'm <laughs> not giving, not. I'm not We're giving not you that. This. We're not doing this. Um, so I had an experience on the holiday where I essentially misheard somebody mm-hmm. and I did investigate the mishearing, but I want to use this as an, because, you know, sometimes we got a lot of, most people who listen to the podcast, I'm going to be real yeah. with you. Conversationally, you are a bunch of basic bitches. So I don't want to be giving you <laughs> complex. I don't want to be, like, when I say things like that, when I say don't investigate the mishearings of people and think that they're funny, that's more for yeah. most of the don't praises. Oh, let me just read it right. You're a bunch of basic bitches out there. But what I'm going to do is there is a more complex maneuver where you can, if you've misheard some, if you've misheard somebody, this is basically how you deal with it. This is like similar yeah. to the ways like reach out hygiene that we've spoken about. Right. Yeah. So basically, this is like professional, next level conversational <laughs> skills. I'm just going to tell you how yeah. it works and how to deal sure. with it. How to don't. Not. Don't feel bad if you can't do it. Don't feel bad if you can't do this. This high is level. like your triple axle. Super back, super quadruple backflip, and you're landing it <laughs> at the Olympics. Yeah. So, yeah, met people on the beach a couple of days before the trail marathon, and right. they were a bunch of beautiful Brits, and they were also running. So the 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 Transvolcania that I ran on mm-hmm. La Palma. There's several races that take place over the weekend. There's an ultra marathon, which is like 70 or 80K. Then the one mm-hmm. I did is a 50K. And then there's a, probably like a 25K. So there's, you can choose several different distances and difficulties. And so I met I these British people on the beach. And we were having a little bit of a chat. A couple of girls and a guy. And I established quite quickly, oh, they're run- they were told me, oh, we're running as well. I said, oh, cool, I'm running. And then one of the girls said 
to me what sounded like, what race are you? Mm. And I said, what did you say? And she said, what race are you doing? And then Mm. again, this is, this is what you do. I said real quick, smart. And this is before she's had the opportunity to say anything. And this has all taken place within seconds. I say, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said, what race are you? That's a very old-fashioned question. Quite inappropriate, but okay. I'll play along. Caucasian. No, I Mm. did the 50-kilometer race. Mm. So basically what I've done there, I've taken the mishearing. I've turned it into a quick-witted and funny joke with a hint of flirt, and then rather than yeah. relying, like acting as I'm waiting for her to laugh or engaged, I've switched yeah. out, answered the question. This has all taken place and then within you've gently, seconds. You've gently put the conversation back on its original track. You're it's, like one of those <laughs> F1, F1 pit stop mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> and what's happened here? What's happened within seconds? I've communicated to this pretty woman that I'm quick-witted, I'm funny, I'm a bit edgy and risky socially whilst remaining confident, and most importantly, I'm not really racist or interested in race. And, John, Mm. I've got to tell you, within the hour, me and this lady, (laughs) we were making love on the sand. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Result. So, so look, the rules that I talk about conversationally here, they're not hard and fast. Again, yeah. It's just I'm assuming that you're all a little bit simple out there. So yeah. don't, don't, I'm just, this is complex shit. So if you feel like yeah, you're up sure. for the complex shit, then that's what you do. You take the mishearing and you real yeah. quick, you go, oh, I thought you said this, butter bing, bong, bong, bang, chow. And then yeah. back into, you've understood what they've said. And then you yeah. continue along. Basically, if you've got to, if you're going to derail, You've got an obligation to re-rail. Exactly. That's I think mm. I think it's gonna be on a t-shirt of Dope Pace <laughs> Machine. That's exactly correct, John. If you're gonna derail, you gotta re-rail. Yeah. Um That's a good that's a good editing point. <laughs> <That's Al, in the intervening weeks since we recorded, I, I suspect that eagle-eared listeners, if that's to invent a phrase, uh, <laughs> will be will have been wondering why they didn't hear the DPTM take on a few events that are the kinds of events that we would have commented on probably last year, maybe even the year before. That's how long we've been going. Uh, and certainly they're the kind of things that we like to... The, like, the kind of cultural events that we like to comment on on the show. Um, and I've only got time for a couple of them. But, you know, just in the space of the last couple of weeks, we had Eurovision, we had the coronation, mm. and we had what I'd like to talk about, which is the Met Gala, uh, which I'm sure was prom- was uh, marked on everybody's calendar prominently. <laughs> um <laughs> And for those who need a bit of a refresher, it takes place at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York, and it's been running for several decades, but 
I think in more recent years, it's become much more of a, you know, it started off as kind of a garden variety fundraiser for sort of high society. And then it became very much probably actually for some time now, I think, you know, I think going back to the seventies, it started to become a bit more of a cultural, uh, set piece in the, in the annual calendar for mm. New York celebrities. And, um, it's, I think it's organized by Anna Wintour. Is that of, right? Uh, of Devil Wears Prada fame. I think she's got some kind of, um, role in putting it together and they choose a different theme every year. And it's a kind of, it's the kind of event that I think, uh, compels a bit of DPTM commentary because, you know, it's very performative and there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of kind of, uh, Hollywood sanctimony that tends to, or kind of celebrity sanctimony that tends to go along with it. And I just, and I love it for that reason. And I particularly loved this year because, you know, it's been a hard time in America and around the world. There's a, there's, there's a cost of living crisis. We're all trying to scramble back to normal, um, post COVID. And so I think these kinds of events really, really have the potential to kind of grate on people's nerves in a wonderful way. <laughs> and they chose as this year's theme, uh, the theme Karl Lagerfeld, a line of beauty, which, <laughs> which honored, uh, famed cartoonish prick Karl Lagerfeld, who is a, who is of course a, a kind of fashion mogul. Yeah. From my neck of the woods. He was a German. From your neck of the woods. Exactly. German who spent much of his uh, life in Paris. And he was, um, he was, you know, particularly in his later years, he was a kind of uh, almost caricature of a of a sort of um, Zoolander-esque evil fashion icon <laughs> who just, whenever a microphone was put in front of him, he'd just say something mean-spirited about someone and, <laughs> and, uh, and was very much from this era where, you know, uh, people who were viewed as kind of creative geniuses were almost encouraged to just be sort of pricks and uh, that was kind of the part of their rock star appeal. Yeah. And, you know, that's very, that's very much a thing of the past, I think, or it's, it's kind of like, a, a th- kind of Anna Wintour gives off that whole. Exactly. She does. That's kind of what the devil wears Prada film based on her gave off. Totally. Like, yeah. Totally. Yeah. And interestingly, I think following something, f- following something that he said about the film devil wears Prada, um, about Meryl Streep, she sued him for slander. So there you go. He's uh, <laughs> it's a bit of life imitating art, but um, but it it garnered a bit of uh, unwanted attention and critique this year in a way that I enjoyed because they said, look, we're not focusing on Lagerfeld, the man. We're we're <sighs> focusing on on his works rather than his words. That was the uh, press release, I guess, which I like because it implies that. What he did was so great that it makes up for what a prick he was. But when really he just kind of made uh, made money selling fashion and fast fashion and scents, I think. But despite those assurances, the gala was, I guess, in practice honoring Lagerfeld because once people are there and they're getting interviewed, they feel obliged to say nice things about what you know the man that he was, and yeah. so you had people like. Dua Lipa and Nicole Kidman who were talking about like what a genius Karl Lagerfeld was and 
you know, there were basically, there were journalists there saying afterwards, this kind of, this is a kind of really on the nose, poorly timed off key event because, uh, it's just, it's just a kind of homage to this old world of fashion where you had, where you kind of uncritically gave praise to people who were, uh, creative geniuses, even though they were total dickheads and, uh, <laughs> and all that said, we did hear from Anna Wintour's people, uh, in the lead up to the event. She took a, apparently took a pretty dim view of, uh, of influences, um, oh. and they've been they've been in they've been infiltrating the Met Gala for several years. Yeah, your uh, contemporary celebrity from yeah. social media. Yeah, exactly. And she didn't really like that, and so because it sort of cheapens the whole thing and makes yeah. it into a kind of social media spectacle rather than the the kind of uh, arcane province of the super elite. It uh, devalues the true celebrity. Exactly. And uh, so, yeah, I kind of I heard from her people and I went along. I decided to go along in a uh, mink coat with the words Me Too crossed out in honor of Carl because he was a fan <laughs> of fur and a, and not a fan of the Me Too movement. Um, so I thought that was a beautiful tribute to him. Um, but uh, I loved this comment that I read from uh, the founder of the Model Alliance, which advocates for models' rights and safety, who's a woman called Sarah Ziff, who said, the choice to honour Al Lagerfeld embodies the dissonance of an industry that claims to be progressive, celebrates body positivity and survivors on the one hand, and then reveres figures like Lagerfeld without him even acknowledging their regressive views. And I think that's kind of a nice summary of the of the kind of event that the Met Gala is these days. But, uh, but I enjoyed... I enjoyed also reading about stories of people who have been excluded from the Met Gala over the years because basically, you know, like Anna Wintour's is a very kind of notoriously sort of, um, you know, um, kind of mean and mercurial figure yeah. who doesn't re- doesn't really respond well to criticism. And she, um, so, she expects would also be a, the, she, you get the sense she's a person who, who would also demand loyalty. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Exactly. And not, you know, she'd, she'd be, as with all of those kind of people in the upper, upper echelons of fashion, I'd imagine she's somebody who just surrounds herself with sycophants. So she doesn't like, she doesn't take criticism very well. So you had people like, uh, like um, Amy Schumer a few oh. years ago, who I think didn't get banned, but basically you know, kind of informally wasn't really welcomed back. And she said to Howard Stern back in 2016, it's people doing an impression of having a conversation. I don't like the farce. We're dressed up like a bunch of fucking assholes. I have no interest in fashion. I don't care. Which uh, which I kind of enjoyed. Then you had Demi Lovato, who's... Uh, oh, who, friend of the show. Who, yeah, who's a real down-to-earth figure. And... Uh, <laughs> And Demi's criticism of the gala was a bit of a kind of, uh, you know, it's a bit hard to pick your goodies and baddies in that equation because <laughs> De- Demi's famously a bit uh, full of shit. But um, she said that, sorry, they said that they went directly from a gala to an AA meeting and said, I changed my clothes, but I still had my diamonds on, millions of dollars of diamonds on in an AA meeting. 
And I related more to the homeless people in that meeting who struggled with the same struggles that I deal with than people at the Met Gala fake and sucking the fashion industry's dick. Now, I don't deny that people in the Met Gala are fake and sucking the fashion industry's dick, but I don't really think that Demi Lovato dripping in jewellery uh, <laughs> was was better able to relate to homeless people in an AA meeting. In fact, I don't think that meeting ever occurred. Um, and, and, uh, but, um, I've got another one here, John, because I just looked this up because I remember that Tina Fey, have you got her on your list? Oh, I haven't got Tina Fey. So no. Tina Fey said in 2015 to David Letterman, I'm assuming on the David Letterman show, I've gone yeah. to Tina Fey, of course, uh, famed for having written Mean Girls and also the television show 30 Rock. Tina Fey mm-hmm. said in 2015 to David Letterman, I've gone to it once and it's such a jerk parade. Clearly, I'll never go again. But you go and it's this beautiful space and it's just every jerk from every walk of life. Is we- <laughs> and it's just every jerk from every walk of life is they're wearing some stupid thing. You walk up these huge steps. I went and dragged my husband along with me too which I'm still in trouble for. <laughs> That's great. I mean, it's just, I, I, I do enjoy hearing about it every year because it's such a kind of off-the-wall, self-congratulatory romp where Is there's he, just kind yeah. of, there's just no holds barred. You've got like, you've got these celebrities who basically, you don't really know what they do except for appear at those kinds of events. People <laughs> like, like I love seeing Jared Leto there. Occasionally, <laughs> Friend occasionally Jared's ultimate, in a movie. Ultimate friend of the show. Ultimate he's in a friend movie. of the oh, friend of the show, Jared Leto. Yeah. I feel like Jared, I'm probably I'm probably guilty of repeating myself on this front because I'm sure we've mentioned <laughs> the Met and Jared Leto before. But he just feel it just seems like if you somehow created a kind of Frankenstein serum <laughs> of celebrity and then and then like made a person it would be Jared Leto. Like he's all kind of, he's very ageless and kind of beautifully smooth, but also sort of weirdly sociopathic and devoid of authenticity. And, and, uh, and he's just, just kind of romping around in a cat suit because Carl Lug felt yeah, so, cat. So for anyone who didn't see it, he literally turned up in a kind of almost like a furry-esque cat suit. Yeah. And... It's just it couldn't be more Jared Leto. He's just no. he's I I love I love imagining. I think Jared Leto would be my litmus test for <laughs> like if I was at a party and Jared Leto was there, I'd know I shouldn't be at that party. <laughs> if you're ever anywhere and Jared Leto is there, I'd yeah. go. Oh, I probably, probably shouldn't be. I've at this. just I've let celebrity get to me. <laughs> I have a funny Jared Leto. I have a Jared. I have a Jared Leto anecdote I can just throw in quickly. Yeah, I have a friend who I will not mention, but I'm going to send this podcast to them afterwards, who worked for a certain Berlin tech startup. Uh, and in 2013, he invited me to be his guest to their kind of annual summer meeting. And it was at a hmm. kind of like an outdoor adventure park that I guess a lot of companies use for their kind of company day out days. And my hmm. friend was doing some sort of high, uh, like a high altitude monkey bar thing that everybody was jumping on. 
and oh. the guy in front of him was being too slow and annoying. So he was like, come on, mate, bloody hurry up on the on the high up monkey bars. And it turned out it was Jared Leto because Jared Leto, <laughs> Jared Leto was like an investor in this wow. startup. So Jared, my mate was like telling Jared Leto to hurry the fuck up on the high monkey bars because <laughs> he's being too slow. So that's my that's my <laughs> that's great. two degrees. I just of wonder Kevin what is Bacon Jared Leto story. He just I, he just strikes me as the kind of person where every part of his life is saturated in layers of celebrity that I wouldn't even understand. Like he's getting up, he's drinking some kind of shake that contains you know rare earth ingredients or mm. something. Then he's like doing recreational drugs that nobody in my <laughs> neck of the woods has even heard of or will hear about for another 50 years. Uh, then he's, you know, probably thrill killing somebody yeah, and getting you, away with it. You kind of get the idea that he just, he's one of those people that if he wanted to eat someone, he could procure mm. that pretty easy. Exactly. He'd just be like, exactly. oh, I want to, all those kind of weird, you're like, what <laughs> Whenever you watch, like whenever you you get sent those clips of Alex jo- Alex Jones talking about demonic Hollywood, and you just think, well, most of this is obviously just insane madness. But I do love yeah. to fantasize that, like all the stuff that Alex Jones says that is going on is pretty much Jared Leto doing it all. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Just in some weird retreat in a in the woods at a cabal kind of. Uh, Eating, eating human eating, flesh. Yeah, eating human flesh and having sex with like circus freaks or something. That's mm. all. That's all. Lido. <laughs> I love and I love him so much. I I just can't get away from the fact, John. Every time the Met Garlic. So I I'm like you in that. I guess the internet and 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 social media is kind of what has put the Met Gala on people's radar because I'd never heard of it until a few years ago. Yeah, and yeah. then. And as as I wrote to you in our little WhatsApp back and forth, like this is a level of celebrity that is so distasteful to me that I can't believe that <laughs> they're not con- that these celebrities are not worried about mm. a mob coming for them with pitchforks yeah. and torches. It's, because it's really like taunting normies, isn't it? I just think like you guys are really pushing your luck here. Like yeah. to have this kind of exclusive New York fancy fashion show full of celebrities and powerful people in yeah. in a museum and just to like dress up in fanciful outfits and then mm. have people interview you like what you're doing is the most important thing in the world. And mm. then you just go home to your bajillions of dollars. <laughs> whilst the rest of the world just has to eat rats. I just yeah, think exactly. at some point people are just gonna go, fuck uh, this. But, I was loving the 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 tweets that I was reading from some of the influencers who had attended who were just, you know, like tickled pink to be there. And they would say things afterwards like, Congratulations everybody, we did it. And you're going <laughs> like, what do you think? Do you think what you did was here was important? <laughs> <laughs> like, like you've really pushed the envelope socially. <laughs> that you've really, uh, you've really broken new ground there. It's great. Um, I sent you some of the outfits. I quite liked. Like, obviously, Lido turned up in. What did I, I'm just having a look where I sent these to you, so I can have a look. I think one of the good ones was Lil Nas X. Yeah, I hope <laughs> I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah. Describe what Lil Nas and talking about. You can tell. I mean, it must have been. Was it Lil Nas's first? Maybe it was his second Met Gala. 
But Lil yeah, Nas X, who you'll all remember from Old Town Road, the song that was at number one for twelve years. Lil Nas X. What did he? <laughs> what did he look like, John? Lil Nas X. He's a real. Um, <laughs> he's a real salt of the earth guy. Uh, yeah, he's he's um, he's known for his fashion um, milestones, but on this occasion, I think he basically. It looked to me like a cat that yeah. was uh, that was coated in silver diamonds. Yeah, or something. it's probably just it it's probably cat. just worth pointing out that the cat, all the cat stuff, is because Lagerfeld had this cat that he was mm. enamored with. I think he loved cats throughout his life. And mm. and uh, just as a quick aside, there's a bit of a dispute going on at the moment with Karl Lagerfeld's will and his estate, and I think it's rumored. I don't think the the full will has been released to the public, but it's rumored that he has given a large part of his estate to his cat, just to give you a sense oh, wow. of how into his cat Lagerfeld was. So that's why everybody yeah. was real catting up uh, at the Met Gala. And so, yeah, what what he so he was little Nas X was presenting feline. Mm, he was he was uh, he was covered in sort of silver body paint with like diamond studs and and he had some kind of grill on and then he was acting like a cat as well. Yes, while we while um, the rest of us ate rats. Exactly. I was I was um at home just watching the latest uh Reserve Bank of Australia announcement about an yet another interest rate increase, but he was just <laughs> pretending to lick his uh silver studs. <laughs> 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 and then going into the bathroom to do a drug I've never heard of. Because <laughs> he's ahead of the curve. And, I, you know, we need to celebrate our heroes. My Somebody, um, who, I, somebody who I'm quite a fan of, I was a bit disappointed yeah. to not only see at the Met Gala. I mean, of course, they would yeah. be at the fucking Met Gala because nobody ever says no. But uh, which was Doja Cat. And Doja Cat oh, yeah. turned. Have you seen the Doja Cat, how she turned up? No. Oh, I better just send this to you before we talk about it. And then you tell I, me what you're seeing. It occurred to me that that Magatu in Zoolander is obviously a sort of, uh, is very much a kind of Lagerfeld pastiche. And I wonder if that's almost deliberate or directly referencing him. Huh. Uh, Maybe he, 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 be- he also had a cat, I believe. Oh, that's true. Mm. Like and well, this is the thing. Um, kind of evil geniuses always have a a cat, a hairless mm. cat. Think of uh, Doctor Evil in uh, Austin Powers. I was thinking I would just, if I was invited, that I just would dig up um, a bottle of a costume that was shaped like a bottle of Forex Gold Lager and go that, <laughs> go in that. <laughs> Just you should just go dressed up. You could you could go up completely mocking the working class. See how well that like you could you could I mean it's like I said it is baffling to me that it's not. So for example, you 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 said there John, you said oh people are complaining that it was about Karl Lagerfeld and he was yeah. he was not a person that we should be celebrating. What like why aren't those people just saying this event shouldn't exist? Not it's yeah. about Karl. The problem is not that it's about Karl Lagerfeld. The problem no. is that this exists. <laughs> Shut exactly. the fucking thing down. Shut it down. Listen, yeah, I, I have to yeah. say I drew a lot of my um research from 
uh, an article by Kate Edwards at The Independent, which which uh, included in the title, It's Time to Put an End to the Met Gala. And I uh-huh. loved that because she was one of the few people in, in mainstream media saying, uh, let's just not have this. It's fucked. <laughs> and, and it doesn't even give it's, – it's apparently kind of disassociated to a significant extent from the Met such that it does give money to the Metropolitan Museum, but it makes a lot more money uh, than it gives to them. So it's not not even really just a fundraiser anymore. It's kind of much more outsized than that, I think. And it's it obviously uses its fundraising um, its fundraising foundation as a kind of get out of jail free card because if people exactly. if people turn around and go, "Oi, this is like the cuntiest thing I've ever seen." Then they just turn around and go, oh, no, but it makes money for charity. I'm just like, I don't yeah. care. Go and fucking make money for charity somewhere else. This is gross. Look yeah. at look at, uh, look at what I sent you and then just tell me what you've seen. It's on WhatsApp. <laughs> okay, so it's oh, – I'm loving that. <laughs> it's uh, – you've sent me a video which is <laughs> – Entitled Doji Cat Meows All Over the Red Carpet. Um, and the, With Emma and Chamberlain, think, who I don't even know who that is, but I think she's an oh, yeah. Is she like a contemporary actress? Uh, no, Emma Chamberlain's an interesting character. I think she started on YouTube and she has this kind of uh, self-deprecating, charismatic relatability, which ah. has allowed her to become this kind of uh, intermediary between... Everyday people God, like you and yeah. me so she's and the, the stars. She's the perfect person to have on the red carpet at the Met Gala. She's a, f- she's a foil for sickening excess, I think, <laughs> basically. That's her role. Yeah, so Doji Cat looks like she's she's got a kind of augmented face that's made up to look very feline. Yeah. Um, and she's gone with a similar look to... I mean, this is the other thing is I don't really care about fashion, but... All of the outfits this year in particular were incredibly boring yeah. because they were just people dressing in black and white like Lagerfeld used to and uh, dressing up as cats. So she just looks like a silver cat. Um, and then so and then have you watched the video? What does she do? Let's see. Okay, so tell me all about this. Wow. Oh, great. <laughs> who, wait, so who made it? Wow. Wow. Okay, so something a little different. So, what was your inspiration for tonight? Be honest with me and go into detail. Wow. Wow. She's making she's <laughs> ma- she's making cat sounds and pretending to be a cat. And uh she does do quite a good cat sound, I have to say, I have to give that to her. Um, so Emma Chamberlain saying things like what are you wearing tonight? And she just goes, wow. And then uh, everyone, everyone finds that hilarious and then they all go home. <laughs> like Emma Chamberlain, what she should have done if she had mm. any stones at all, is she should have gone, fucking cut that the fuck out right yeah. now. You, yeah, get, just, like, you get two meows and then yeah. answer the fucking question. Joke's over. Or just gone, <laughs> right, not talking to you next. <laughs> Um, I think they should combine the Transvolcanaria. Is that what it's called? Yes, Transvolcania. The Transvolcania and the Met and just 
at the end of the night, just whack, just throw them all in to the <laughs> okay. molten pit, to the molten pit as a gift to the gods, <laughs> as a cleansing. I feel like that's a, that would tap into a very primal human need. Like we're going through tough, uncertain times. Yeah. We just need to, we just need to sacrifice some celebrities. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in episode number 110 of Don't Praise the Machine. It's the annual Don't Praise the Machine Met Gala special. <laughs> <laughs> and before we go, John, because uh, I've been off mic for two weeks, of course yep. I've been picking up that Gen Z internet slang that's been used in the yeah. TikToks. And on the streets, I'm going to put this to you and you tell me, A, if you've come across this, and B, if you know what it is. The expression this week is Riz. R-I-Z-Z, Riz. Riz. No, I feel like you're making that up. I can't believe that's (laughs) real. I'm going to give this one to you in a, uh, I'll give you an example, okay? Yeah. So you might say, hang on one sec, John, I've got it here. Man, I'm feeling more and more out of touch. (laughs) We must be up to like 50 words that I'm not using that everyone younger than me is using now. (laughs) How about this? Yo. So somebody says to me, somebody said, it's a conversation between two people. Yo, I saw that you were talking to that girl, Rachel, over there. Did you get her number? Mm -hmm. And then the person being asked replies, indeed. You know I got mad, Riz. And I'll give you another one. Oh. Give you another one. Okay. Okay, so (laughs) it's kind of complicated. Um, Somebody's talking to a woman and he says to her, are you from Tennessee? Because you're the only 10 I see. And then uh. a person watching that interaction says, damn, that N-word has no riz. Oh, I see. So what are you feeling? So it, What's your guess? So I'm, f- I'm feeling like it's a uh, Gen Z's gotten bored with the word game. Man, you like are. That. Ding, 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 ding. John, right. 100 points. You win the steak knife set. You are exactly <laughs> correct. It's a Gen yeah, Z okay. rebrand of the word game. Uh, apparently, yeah, okay. Riz, there's a few There's a few guesses at the uh, etymology of this. That's the right word, isn't it, John? Etymology is the uh, origin of words. Yeah, that's right. There's yeah. a few theories on the etymology of the word, but the one that I like the most and seems to make the most sense is that Riz comes from the word charisma, where in southern oh. Baltimore they started to shorten it to Rizma, replacing mm. the noun charisma to Smart. and then eventually to riz uh huh. and the and i think twitch twitch people uh were using it as well a guy called uh twitch streamer i think called kai senat has also been uh tapped as one of the people who may have been using it who coined it yeah riz. Okay. riz that so you could just basically replace the word charisma or game that boy mm. got so you know 
earlier in the episode, I was talking about how I used my little conversational gambit, my little conversational trick to make love mm. on the sand to that beautiful woman. People were looking at us kiss and make a love on the sand, <laughs> and they said, wow, that extremely pale ginger man, he got riz. He got riz. We made love on the sand like sea otters. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I thought you'd like that. I thought you'd like the make love on the sand line for that very reason. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I mean, if it was, you know, back in my heyday, if you heard the word Riz, you would immediately think this was, this has come from Snoop Dogg and maybe he's referring to the word roast. Yeah. He's gone. I'm going to a celebrity Riz. Yes. Snoopify. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. He Snoopified a word, but no, it's not that anymore because Snoop is a very old man who uh, (laughs) just, just does, just does commercial endorsements for random products now. <laughs> so, John, I want you to chuck that in a next Bibiqua. We're going to have to come up with a mm. list of uh, – maybe we can get a listener to do it because I, I can't be fucked, but maybe a listener, maybe a DPTM completist, mm. much much like there's uh, people out there that have, that have compiled all of the family tree of, say, uh, Tim Heidecker's On Cinema Universe. Similarly, yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah, re- yeah. we require a DPTM completist <laughs> yeah, to catalogue all of the Gen Z language that I have, just sort of, which I call John's Gen Z barbecue lingo that John yeah, has we to did, try and get in. I might, I might ask my brother Dan to do it. We did hear from him a couple of weeks ago when he emailed me and said, you should bring up the phrase in my something something era because that's a kind of uh that's a very oh, yeah. thing to say. Yeah, villain, um, villain, I'm in my villain era. Mm, exactly. Which maybe you want to explain that quickly, John, is the in my era thing. Thanks, Dargle. Well it, for writing yeah, in. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, for Dargle, for writing in. It's uh <laughs> it's it's a very common thing for people to say when they are trying to well, they might just be kind of jokingly describing something that they're doing as characteristic of a turn that they've taken in their life, I guess. So you're saying I'm in my, you know, like you'll have a graduation photo and you say like, I'm in my professorial era. Yeah. You probably wouldn't put it quite like that. But uh, but I was posting a bunch of nostalgic kind of um, little clips on Instagram and he said, you're in your nostalgia era. And then he said, actually, you should use that as a, TPTM uh, classic barbecue barbecue <laughs> phrase. Right. Yes, and, uh, <laughs> and I don't know. For these days, I feel like I'm in my sciatica era, <laughs> if anything. Yeah. Um, You're in your sciatica era. My hips are really playing up. I'm in my. <laughs> we're in our early. We're starting to enter our creaky era. Yeah, exactly. I'm in my. I'm in my aches and pains era. <laughs> <laughs> 